turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. My country tears of thee, sweet land of liberty of Beyonce. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever we are americans this is always right radio on am 1420 the answer here's your host bob france and a good morning to you. Thank you so much for joining us. It's nine minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this Tuesday, the 28th morning of the 11th month of the year of our Lord, 2023. Where did all the snow come from? Holy cow. I knew they said it was supposed to hit uh, the snow belt areas quite hard yesterday when I was looking at all the forecasts. They said maybe as much as a foot, 14 inches. Then I wake up this morning and it says they've upped that to 16 inches, but that's snow belt. I don't live in any snow belt. What do I care? And then bang. Hey, Seth, what happened on your drive-in? Um, on my, my, my drive-in, I, I was going down a Broadview Road. As soon as I hit Route 82, whiteout. Roads were completely <laughs> covered. You couldn't see a friggin' thing. This winter's going to be a disaster. Yeah. We've had, we've, it, it, correct me if I'm wrong. I know last year for sure, because it was only a year ago. My memory isn't that shot. I know. I only busted out the snowblower once all last winter. I busted out the shovel a handful of times. It was very, very mild in terms of snowfall. I don't know about temperatures, but in terms of snowfall, um, it was it was next to nothing. And I want to say it was that way the year before. I kind of feel like, or similar anyway, I kind of feel like we're just going to get blasted. It's not even December yet, and you had whiteout today. 
Uh, last year, I didn't have to go outside because I was in a wheelchair all winter. So this is my first year actually driving in snow again, and it was a nightmare. First day driving in snow and also trying to walk on your prosthetic in snow. Yeah, That's going to be an interesting development. <laughs> it was definitely different. Um, so, yeah, be careful out there. There are a lot of accidents, a lot of spun-out cars. It was crazy. Yeah, there's a the, well. Yeah, you're exactly right. I hope people are being very careful. I'm just, I'm just kind of like just an, annoyed by it, by the fact that it's not even December yet. I don't really like to think of uh, November as heavy snowfall time, but uh, this is just coming. Apparently, this massive band is blasting through not just the uh, snow belt and uh, you know those counties, but into Cleveland and as you said into Broadview and uh, out in Lorain County where I live. I know it's falling very heavily there now, and it's windy as all get out too, which is going to create those whiteout conditions. So yeah, as Seth said, be careful. We're not going to sit here and complain about it. There are things we cannot uh, control, and this is one of them, uh, other than your uh, way you handle it when you are on the roadways. So please, indeed, be careful. we got a nice show lined up for you today. Coming up in uh, about a half an hour, yesterday toward the end of the show, <clears throat> um, I, I wanted to do a story on Warrensville Heights the school uh, of uh, district of Warrensville Heights and their uh, this big story that they have decided to go against um, uh, letter grades. They're not going to grade their students by achievement letter grades anymore. It's going to be more of a continuum. It's going to be more of a, you know, I feel like the, this student is making progress, so therefore we're going to pass him or promote him or do whatever, you know, however that's going to look. But they're not going to use letter grades, which, of course, is, in my opinion, a big, big problem. It's a big problem because life is going to give these kids letter grades. Bosses, managers, and supervisors, when they get out of school, are going to give them letter grades in the form of, did you achieve what you were supposed to achieve? Did you meet your quota? Did you make your sales? Did you... You know, is your is your you know performance up to snuff based on very se- uh, uh, serious objective measures? And if not, you're out. It's not. Well, I'm getting better at it, boss. I'm 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 working toward my goal. Um, and so therefore, can I stay on? No, I need this stuff done. You're gone. Letter grades are important. I've I've always felt this way since long since I was in a in the uh, educational world as I taught for six years right out of college. And I taught English. I've got a, I've got a bit of an issue with this. And I was going to talk about it yesterday, right before the end of the show. And then we got bogged down in Ohio State football talk, which was my fault. Um, and so we're going to lead with that today. So we have time to talk about it. And uh, the superintendent of Warrensville uh, Schools, uh, Donald Jolly, has been kind enough to join us. So he'll be with me at about 935. We're going to talk about why they're doing what they're doing and how they think this is uh, going to be beneficial to the kids and whether or not this is going to be more of a way to cover uh, failures at the state level, you know, when it comes to the state support card. I looked a state uh, report card. I looked up Warrensville Heights. They're uh, very middling. They've got two out of five stars in a number of the state rankings, three out of five stars overall. Um, wondering if the achievement of the kids, the achievement gap is part of the issue here. So we're going to talk about that with him at 935. And if you have kids in school or grandkids in school, this should be of interest to you because this is apparently something that is not unique to Warrensville. It is, uh, as a matter of fact, the story in Cleveland.com says that Warrensville is joining dozens of Northeast Ohio schools in making the switch from letter grades to standards-based grading, as they call it. Uh, so it's interesting. And we're going to talk to the superintendent about that. At 1010, since it is a Tuesday, it's Cursing Out Day. Pete's going to play through some pain 
uh, today. Pete has uh, got a got an injury, suffered while working out. He's still a machine. He's uh, I won't tell you his age. He he'll tell you. But it's incredible that he does what he does with his body at his age, his uh, willingness to, you know, his passion for lifting weights and working out. Caught up with him, and he got hurt. But So he's in a lot of pain, but he's going to push through it and uh, have our conversation at 10-10 this morning. And at 11-10 is one I'm looking forward to. Ted Cruz, Senator Ted Cruz of Texas, who was my guy back in 2016 in the primaries before, because uh, he was the only one to win states. If I'm not mistaken, I think he was the only one to win multiple states other than Donald Trump, who eventually became the nominee. I think he won like 10 states. Uh, Ted Cruz has always been a favorite of mine. He's a conservative warrior, and uh, I have huge respect for him, so I'm very much looking forward to talking to him. He's got a new book out, which, of course, is one of the reasons he's available. Uh, He's promoting his new book, and it's called Woke. Um, And I'm looking forward to discussing Woke with him. Uh, Ted Cruz, uh, I'm sorry, I, I'm really butchered that. Excuse me. It's of course unwoke. Uh, how did de- how did de- de- defeat cultural Marxism in America? Maybe my teeth are chattering. I'm so cold. This weather has changed so quickly. I can't even speak properly. Unwoke. How to defeat cultural Marxism in America by Senator Ted Cruz? We're going to talk about what woke means. We're going to talk about his reelection race, by the way, which is very very important to the overall Senate uh, down in Texas. And uh, we've got a lot to discuss with him. That'll be at 1110 today. So Superintendent Jolly, Peter Kersenow, and Senator Ted Cruz are our guests today. Let's start with our pledge before we get into the monologue, because uh, yesterday we didn't get to it until about the third hour. My apologies for that. Let's uh, not make people wait for it. Patriots, put your hand on your heart and join us for this pledge. If you are not a patriot, if you believe in woke versus unwoke, if you believe in Marxism versus capitalism, well, this flag isn't for you. So don't fake it. No need. Just go ahead and take a knee over there next to the other Marxists. For the rest of us, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. I'm going to call a very slight audible here to start my monologue because I was going to start with uh, what they're doing to kids in the name of the perpetually offended. But I, I, I saw this on Fox 8 last night and it just bothered me so much I kind of feel like I need to talk about it uh, to start the show. And this is the uh, two teens that were charged <clears throat> in the public square shooting at the Christmas tree lighting the other night. Um, obviously terrible. Uh, not something anybody, you know, um, wants to have happen. Um, Reactions to it, of course, are extraordinarily important. Uh, I'd like you to hear some of the reactions to it, particularly the reaction of one um, Cleveland City Councilman who apparently doesn't think that the lack of policing in in the city of Cleveland, the fact that there are 350 to 400 officers under budget, the fact that they don't have two-man patrol cars, the fact that they don't have all of the zones covered, the fact that Cleveland is in a massive, massive crime spike with uh, record rates of murder happening every single year that goes by. It's a little worse than the year before and a little worse than the year before setting new records. Apparently, that's not the problem. It's America's obsession with guns is the problem. At least according to, uh, like I said, Ward 3 Cleveland City Councilman Kerry McCormick. 
a suburban shopping mall, a city street. Guns are so pervasive in this country. And for us to continue to vote for people who make sure that everyone who wants a gun can get one, even criminals, has got to stop. So this this halfwit, and, and that's being generous, because just based on that statement alone, he's about a quarter wit. That statement alone indicates he is too daft to serve on the Cleveland City Council. The idea that he said he made it immediately political and wanted to score political points for Democrats by saying voting for that, that, that we have this guns are so pervasive in the United States. People who vote for people who want everybody to have guns, including criminals, uh, are the problem. Did I did I paraphrase that right? Do I need to hear it again? I, I probably should hear it again. Let's do this. Again. To vote for people. Who- hold on. Hold on. Whether it's a suburban shopping mall, a city street, and for us to continue to vote for people who... For us to continue to vote for people... ...can get one, even criminals, has got to stop. ...who think, think that everyone should be able to get one, even criminals. First of all, I would like him to find me and identify and name for me one politician at the local level the county level, the state level, or the federal level that has said we want criminals to have guns. Find me one, you mental midget. That's number one. Number two, two two people were shot, a 13-year-old and a 15-year-old. Two kids were shot on public square, and your first response is politics? We have to stop voting for people who want people to have guns, even criminals? You, you immediately go to voting, and then next, the idea that this isn't a policing problem, that this is a guns problem, this is a way to crack down on law-abiding American citizens who want to own guns for personal, self, family, or property protection, it's just, it's bizarre. It's, it's impossible, really, to, to justify. But this is, this is Councilman Kerry McCormick. I think he's got more Lynn here. Mayor Bibb said in part he is saddened and angered by this senseless violence. And enough is enough. Councilman McCormack applauded the swift police response and said he would support his colleague, Councilman Polensic's call for additional support from Ohio State Highway Patrol. Absolutely. But at the end of the day, CPD was right there. Uh, this is a gun access issue. Um, those young people should have never had access to a firearm, be it legally or illegally um, purchased or acquired. <laughs> Do short-sighted, shallow-thinking, half-witted leftists ever even listen to themselves? This is a gun problem, he said. Not a policing problem, but I support Ohio State Highway Patrolmen being assigned to do city patrol inside of the Cleveland city streets. Did, did you hear that? Mike Polensic said that he, his, his suggestion, because of the underfunded uh, or the understaffed police force, that is funded, but just they can't find the bodies because of the way they treat cops in the city of Cleveland, which is like pure and unadulterated crap. We should have the state highway patrolmen come in and actually patrol in the city as if they were street cops. That's what Polensic said. 
Kerry McCormick said he agrees, but then also said, but it doesn't matter because, you know, the police were right there on the scene as if that's what policing is all about. First of all, he says police are on the scene, so that was fine. But, yeah, we should bring in the state highway patrol. By the way, I'm curious about this. Would the state highway patrolmen who are assigned to work as city cops in Cleveland because of the extraordinary mismanagement of the little boy mayor, Bib, and the horrifically incompetent, daft, and, and wretchedly stupid members of the Cleveland City Council, would they be subject to the same civilian review board if they've got to arrest somebody and things get physical? Would they be subject to the same um, uh, consent decree that Cleveland cops are if Ohio patrolmen are assigned to work in the city of Cleveland as patrol officers? Because if they are, I guarantee you any such state patrolman who is assigned to Cleveland will quit, just like they are quitting in record numbers from Cleveland's police department. They're quitting. They're retiring. They're, they're lateral transferring to other, other cities and other departments. They're getting out every way they can because of the way this city is run, how it doesn't back cops. And now they want to drag highway patrolmen in there. All right, let's get back to the guns now. Again, this, this quarter wit says this is a gun issue. Those young people should never have access to a firearm, be it legally or illegally. At the end of the day, America has a gun problem, he says. Okay. So the answer to young people, or older people for that matter, getting guns illegally against the law is to take them away from people who own them legally. This is, this is the, the general argument of the left-wing gun control nut crowd. The problem with, with criminals getting illegal access to guns is to take them away from people who buy them legally. That's what his answer is. And then again, there's the issue of the police. Well, the police were right there, he said, so they, and they didn't stop it. Police aren't there to shoot people right before they shoot other people because that is not, uh, not highly likely at all. I mean, yeah, if a police officer sees somebody draw a weapon and tells them to freeze and to drop it and they don't, then they got to shoot them before they do that. But that's, that's not how, that's watching the movies. Policing and the understaffing of the Cleveland police by three to 400 officers is what leads these young criminals to be emboldened enough to go and steal guns or acquire guns illegally and then to commit extraordinary amounts of violent crime because they know the odds of them getting caught are slimmer and slimmer and slimmer. And this guy's, well, the police were there. That, it, that doesn't, that's not what policing is all about. The police problem in Cleveland is, because crim, is that criminals know there are next to no cops on the streets. So they join gangs, they begin targeting businesses, they begin targeting all kinds of other victims, carjackings are skyrocketing, assaults, shoplifting, mass theft, and yes, murders. Because police aren't on the streets. And he's saying, well, it wasn't a police problem. It's a, this is macro versus micro. On the micro level, yeah, there were cops there at the tree lighting ceremony. Shocking. And yes, shootings happen, and those cops didn't stop it. That does not mean that's what the police problem is. The police problem goes from the fact that there are more criminals out there being willing to act boldly and dangerously because they know they're not going to get caught. Cleveland is a cesspool of crap. You understand what I'm saying to you now? Cleveland is run by an idiot 
who is guided by a council full of other idiots. They have no earthly idea how to protect the people in this city. None. And I work there. And I cannot stand the fact that people like Carrie McCormick, Councilman Carrie McCormick, want to immediately politicize tragedies like the shooting of a 13 and a 15-year-old and then completely fundamentally misunderstand two things. Number one, the role of police in a big city like Cleveland. And number two, the Second Amendment to the Constitution. It's 926. We'll be back. Waking up America from its woke slumber. Always right radio with Bob France on The Answer. All right, 935, we do continue. Don't forget Peter Kersenow from the United States Commission on Civil Rights. He will join us at 1010 this morning. And Texas Senator Ted Cruz has a new book out called Unwoke. He's going to join us at 1110 this morning. But we want to stay local uh, this morning. We'll come back to the uh, shooting issue on Public Square during the tree lighting in a bit. Uh, but let's talk about uh, let's talk about academics. The United States is struggling worldwide between 31st and 39th in reading and math. Peter Kirsten always given us those statistics on a semi-regular basis, so I almost have them memorized. I know the range. Uh, against the rest of the world, um, our education system is in a state of flux, to say the very least. And there are a lot of different ways and a lot of different ideas that people are coming up with on how we should deal with that. One of them is to change the way we grade students to, in fact, get rid of grades altogether, at least in terms of the standard letter grades that uh, we all grew up with. Um, A's, B's, C's, D's, and F's. And, of course, we know that D's and F's make kids feel bad. So a lot of districts are deciding we're not going to have those anymore. We're going to grade a little bit differently with standards-based grading systems. One of those uh, recent Northeast Ohio schools that has made the switch to standards-based grading rather than letter grading is Warrensville Heights. read the story in Cleveland.com a couple of days ago. Joining dozens of Northeast Ohio schools in making this switch, Wardensville Heights began transitioning to standards-based grading during the 2022-23 to school year, which is, of course, uh, just a year ago. It piloted, piloted the initiative with kindergarten through third grade, expanding to fourth grade for this current school year, and plans to introduce the grading system to fifth in the next academic year. What does it all mean, and what's the purpose behind it? Let's ask the people responsible. The superintendent of Warrensville Heights Schools is Donald Jolly, who's been kind enough to join us to explain this to us this morning. Superintendent Jolly, good to have you. How are you, sir? Oh, good morning. I'm doing well, sir. Snowy day, but we're doing well. I know, I know, I know. Are you guys open today? No, we're not open, actually, okay. but we're in the office. Working. Okay. Yes, okay. Sir. Well, the, well, I'm glad nobody. <laughs> I saw some 100 school districts uh, in Northeast Ohio were closed with this uh, massive uh, ban that worked its way through here. We're supposed to hit the snow belt, but I guess it's getting a lot further than that. Uh, at any rate, I do appreciate you coming in and coming on rather. And I understand you have with you on the line Roxanne. Um, I apologize. Lozar? Is it Lozar? Roxanne Lozar. Here she is. She's right. Got next it. And she's your curriculum director. So Roxanne, thank yes, you for sir. coming on as well. How are you? She. Hello. Oh, is she Good on morning. at the same time, or are you guys going to pass the phone back and forth? We were passing the phone back and forth. Oh, okay. I apologize. I thought you, I had you on two separate lines so you could both hear what I was talking about. Okay. Well, I appreciate you both being there. Let's go ahead and uh, give it back to uh, Superintendent Jolly so we okay. can kind of maybe get the 30,000-foot uh, yes, view of what's going on here. And then uh, 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 Ms. Lozar can, uh, can explain it to us from the curriculum perspective. So what was behind the decision to go from 
letter grades that so many of us, well, all of us really, <laughs> since the beginning of the American education system have used, uh, the decision to trans- transition to the quote-unquote standards-based grading. Why was that uh, decision made last year, Superintendent? Well, it was very important to us coming from the pandemic. We found that our kids were at various different levels and that um, just looking at each individual student, each individual student's needs were different. A better grade didn't attribute to what exactly a student needed. Uh, we found that students had, I mean, the pandemic uh, left every student with a different learning environment at home. And as we came back, we saw that we had to individualize instruction. And we understood that uh, A, B, or C did not indicate if a student was learning or even understood the standards that were taught. So uh, our team uh, collectively decided that, hey, we understand that we have to teach these standards per grade level. And how do we continuously assess if the kids are knowing it on an individual basis and not really judging how much work is being turned in, but how much learning is occurring per student. Uh, we're looking for mastery learning. And we have something we, we do in our district called No New Instruction, which is individualized to each student based upon what they need so that in, in conjunction with that, we also can have our parents help us with what standard they are low at, what what skill do they need. So the, the collaboration is helping our teachers and helping our parents help our kids catch up with things that were lost during the pandemic. Okay, quick follow-up to that. Um, first of all, I get the idea about individualized instruction being needed, and that's fine for me. Uh, I'm a former educator myself, just FYI. Uh, I, I understand the need in some cases for individualized instruction, but when it comes to evaluation, that has to be more standardized. It has to be, you know, you have to be able to measure kids against a standard. So when you say we focus on mastery learning, how is mastery learning evaluated if not by percentages of answers that are correct on tests and, and assignments and so forth. So, um, so there, you know, yes, sir. So there are percentages that they have to pass to attain mastery. I believe it's 80% um, in that area. Okay. So if, if, if a percentage is applied, which of course it has to be, um, aren't letter grades simply a reflection of that percentage? 80% would, be a, 80, 80% would be a B minus, you know, 70% would be a C minus and so on down the, down the line. Um, well, so, we so if we do the percentages, why do the grades, why do the grades uh, stand out as the problem? So actually, and, and Roxanne right can explain it a little better than I can, okay. is that we use a rubric. And in that rubric, um, we evaluate if a student has met the standard, have a student has exceeded the standard, or the student is approaching the standard. So based upon the assessments that we provide, that determination is based on that rubric. Roxanne can explain it in more detail Um I'll put okay. her on the phone. Okay, yeah, please. Uh, so, so this is Roxanne Lozar. If you just turned it on. Turn the radio on. Donald Jolly is the superintendent of Warrensville City Schools, and Roxanne Lozar is the curriculum director. And we're talking about the story that just uh, made its way into Cleveland.com a couple of days ago about the switch to standards-based report cards. So, Roxanne, I don't know if you were able to hear everything that I said while um, Superintendent Jolly had the phone, but my question regarding you know mastery learning is how is mastery evaluated if not by percentages of correct answers to see if knowledge has been has been gained, um, and then of course the corresponding letter grade that goes with percentages of achievement? So that was one of our biggest learning curves um, because we, when we were researching um, and meeting as a committee with our standards-based committees at the school, 
uh, we are looking at the school districts uh, that do use standards-based grading, and a lot of them were using percentages to determine if they if students are mastering, if they're progressing, um, and whatnot. Uh, but what we did last year was we, at the end of last year, we developed rubrics. So for each skill that is on our report card, we have a rubric that aligns that skill for reading and math. And um, within that, we have what it, the rubric that outlines for this specific skill, um, what would a student need to know in order to show mastery of that, what would a student need to know in order to show that they're progressing towards mastery, or what would a student need to know if they're in the limited knowledge of that skill. What, what does that um, look so, like, if I may, Roxanne? What does that look like? So how would you determine whether a student has mastered uh, by way of that rubric? Um, so we, the teachers meet collectively. So that was the other piece is that we ensure that it's equitable instruction across class classrooms. So we have about in our K through three, we have six or seven classrooms of each grade level. Um, so based on their assessment that they use, they meet as a, as a group during their teacher-based teams and they look at the assessments and then with the rubric, um, I'm trying to pull, see if I can pull it up here real quick uh, so I can give you a more concrete example. Um, but with the rubric, what they would do is look at their assessments um, and the skills aligned to that. And it would say um, something along the lines that um, the student would show, I'm trying to think of a skill here, um, let, let me ask a more general question, then. You don't have yeah, to get that specific by finding one on the word. I appreciate the effort, by the way. Thank you. Um, but, but let me ask uh, in a more general way. <clears throat> Just superficial observation of this seems like what it is, is even if the student hasn't proven by way of, of examination or assignment that they are mastering or progressing or whatever to where they need to be, we're going to basically just rely on the opinion of the instructor and we're going to bring them together. I think you said that uh, the teachers all come together and collaborate on this. And so based on, in our opinion, he gets a, an X standard standard grade or a Y standard grade, as opposed to whether or not they, the student actually performed in such ways. Is that a, is that a fair or, or not a fair way of describing the standard? I wouldn't say opinion. I would not use the word opinion. So, you know, per the state of Ohio, we have certain standards. So here I was able to locate it. Okay. Um, so within uh, for kindergarten ELA, one of the standards talks about students being able to retell familiar stories with support. Um, and in order to retell a story with support, students need to be able to provide three or more details. This is what meets expectations, what our committee decided as meeting expectations. So um, for scholars, to retell three or more key details, and the details should be from the beginning, middle, and end. So they're progressing if they can't tell us what's happening in the beginning, middle, and end, if they can maybe only tell us what happens in the beginning and the end, but they're a little bit gray in the middle, so they're then progressing towards that standard. Um, so it's really collaborating so, I so 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 that's where the that that's where the ones twos and, okay so okay so it, but it is though i mean you know in the if in the opinion of the teacher we could also substitute the word in the judgment of the teacher or the evaluation of the teacher this is what that 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 teacher or that group of collaborating teachers believes but what i'm asking is <clears throat> and forgive me for not quite grasping this but 
in the same model that you just described, <clears throat> teachers under the standardized regular letter grade grading system would say, if you can, if you can identify three key details from the beginning, the middle, and the end, you get an A or you get a 95% or whatever you assign to it. Now, we're talking about the lower elementary grades here, so it's not as much like that. But but especially as you advance this into the fifth grade next year and, and I would imagine on into the middle school and the high school levels beyond, um, if you can do three, you get an A. If you can only do two of them, you get a you know a B or a C. If you only can identify one key detail, you get a you get a D or an F or a D. And if you can't if you can't identify any, which shows you didn't read it, well then you get the F. Isn't that kind of the, the same thing? The difference is so for to get an A in reading, it's holistically. You're looking at all the standards in reading to then get a percentage of that A. With standards based, you're really determining specific skills. So we'll outline. In reading, we have about 10 skills on our report cards. So we're specific to those skills that students need to know, whereas the whole letter grade for reading in general is holistic with all of the standards based on Ohio's standards. Uh, so that's the difference. So advance this for me, if you can. We're talking to uh, Roxanne Lozar. She's the curriculum uh, director at Warrensville Heights. Uh, she is with Superintendent Donald Jolly, who was kind enough to arrange this uh, conversation with us about this switch to standards-based grading as opposed to letter-grade um, uh, uh, grading. So advance this to me beyond next year. Like I said, I guess you guys have gone to fourth grade this year, fifth next year. And so let's say we, when we eventually get up into the junior high, and the high school levels, um, it's not a single classroom teacher teaching all subjects like we have at the lower elementary levels. All of the different, te- there's a science teacher, and there's a math teacher, and there's an English teacher. So probably less able to collaborate, I would imagine, with a group of teachers to decide how progressive one particular student is in one particular discipline. It's going to be up to that individual teacher in that particular subject area, right? So it, we're only going to go through K through 5. Um, because we feel that those are the most foundational skills needed. So once they get into that, our middle school starts in sixth grade. Um, if we do the K through five standard base and we're really specific on those skills and ensuring those students have, have mastered those skills, then they're ready to go into the more holistic grading uh, in sixth grade because we know it gets a little tricky in high school with the whole um, college for credits and transcripts sure. and whatnot. So. Um, we really want to be specific with K-5 so that way we can build a solid foundation for learning. Okay, I'm glad to hear that this is not something that's going to be at the higher levels because as I was I was discussing before you guys came on <clears throat> with me today, these uh, kids who get out of school are eventually going to be graded uh, with letter grades in life. And whatever their career path, their boss is going to say, you either did what you're supposed to do or you didn't. Your supervisor, your sales manager, whatever, you have a quota. You, you have, if you don't get it done, you don't get it done. It's not going to be, well, you're progressing toward it. It's you can either do the job for me or you can't. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that when you get into the older grades, we're going to go back to the more traditional uh, t- tried and tested method of, of evaluating kids to see if they're ready to take on the world, right? Right, and exactly. Once they move into college, they'll see that approach. And like you said, when they are in their careers and their um, evaluations in their careers, they're they're not going to be like, um, you know, uh, like they were with the standards base. 
How are the parents receiving this so far? The ones who are, you know, uh, in the, this, what was it, K through three before and now the fourth grade, are, are they understanding of how their kids are doing? I remember when my kids were that age and you'd have your teacher conferences and so forth. Even when I was a teacher, I used to have to explain this on the other end. Um, you know, exactly how the student is doing based on, you know, here are the objective measurables. You don't have objective measurables in place now with the standards base. So is it just, again, a teacher explaining their own collaborative evaluation or opinion of, of, of the progress? So we, what we had, Principal Thompson, she did, um, she held parent meetings during conferences. Uh, so last year she did this at every 15 minutes during parent conferences. So for the entire three hours that we had conferences, she had them so parents can come into the cafeteria and she showed them examples. She spoke to why we were doing that. Uh, she set up that foundation. And even before that, we had sent home letters to let them know this is what you should expect. Here is why. Um, and then it really helped. It actually helped lead parent conferences for, uh, for parents and teachers. So teachers can kind of now, instead of saying, well, in reading and then pick out certain skills, they could actually stay to the, stay to the skills that are on the report card that, you know, here is what, um, you know, so-and-so is doing and how they can progress towards it. Here are some things that you could do at home. And it's more specific and more targeted uh, for that conversation because, you know, parent conferences are only about 20 minutes. So right. it helps um, stay focused. And but, that but, but if a parent is wondering if their child, it, let's just hypothetical here, a parent reads with their kids before bed. Uh, that's something I always did, and, and, and most parents like to do things like that. Um, so you're reading with your child, and you're asking your child to read to you, and if your child, say, a third grader or fourth grader and is not able to read words that you feel like probably should have been, parent comes in and says, Ms. Uh, Ms. Lozar, as if you were a teacher, Ms. Lozar, um, I need to know, is my child reading at grade level? Because I'm noticing a struggle. Is he reading at grade level? Will you be able to answer that with standards-based system of, of evaluation as opposed to letter grades and what grade level Absolutely. looks like? Because in addition to the standards-based report card, we do universal screeners. And those universal screeners also tell what level students are. And it, and it also goes into, um, you know, if they're below grade level, how far below grade level, what those skills are to then help us target where do we need to start our instruction and build off of. So we have to still provide students with grade level instruction, uh, which we do, which is what their report cards are for. But Mr. Jollyhan mentioned the no new instruction time, and that's the time we have an hour a day for K through fourth grade to provide them interventions based on where they fall. So if we have a student that's two grade levels behind in reading, then we could teach them at the skill level that they need while they're also being exposed to the grade level content. Yeah, that's a very interesting uh, uh, approach. So um, testing isn't out, right? Because as I was listening to a lot of what you're describing before, it almost sounded like giving tests is not something that you prioritize because those are going to come with percentages of responses. And thus, like I said, if you wanted to assign a letter grade to it, you could. Or, but testing isn't completely out, right? Oh, assessments are not out. They're the way those assessments are what inform us to know our students reaching that mastery level or are they not? Um, we're just more specific as to ensuring that we're testing the specific skills students need to be able to gain to be able to read or to be able to be proficient in math.
Um, so it's definitely not out. Last question for you, Roxanne Lozar, I'm sorry, curriculum director at Warrensville City Schools. Um, at what point will you know whether this was successful? How many years down the line do you think you will need to say, you know, because right now you just have your K through three kids going through it last year and now your fourth graders going through it this year. They have to get to the middle school level and then the high school level to see how well prepped for the upper level um, education that they need to receive they were from this new elementary standards based system. Are you really kind of just going to be waiting a few years to see how effective it really was to see how they do at the upper levels compared to the way they used to under the previous uh, 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 grade level, I'm sorry, grading systems? Well, with any new initiatives, it takes about three years to fully ensure that, um, you know, it's working. So then we'll be able to see with those students, even the students that started last year in third grade that received it, when they get up into middle school, they'll have standards based in fourth grade, they'll have standards based in fifth grade, um, then we'll be able to see that progression. And, you know, we will be able to also use our state assessments. So those aren't going nowhere in Ohio. Um, so we'll be able to use this to measure, has it been effective for our district? Yeah, that's, that's of course, very important. I was looking at the Warrensville Heights report, Heights report card myself, and I see, I think, the overall in the last one, well, in 2023, was a three-star out of five-star three rating. Star. So, yeah, I know you guys are looking to improve on that. So a very interesting approach. Uh, I did notice in the article dozens of Northeast Ohio schools made this switch before you guys did. Did you consult with them before you decided to do this? Um, so we, we did reach out to our neighboring districts that use standards-based report cards. Um, and, you know, we saw what they were providing, um, and, uh, we reached out to some of our educational support, uh, mm-hmm. centers, uh, the ESCs. Um, we've gone to some national conferences on this. Uh, we've really done a lot of research prior to starting. Uh, the whole grading piece is really gray. We talked to certain districts. They're going to tell you they're still using percentages, um, to, even though they might have like, Six skills in reading, they're still looking at each skill and using that as a percentage Mm -hmm. um, as opposed to really looking at it uh, as in the rubric um, like we decided to do uh, just to really take away that whole percentage piece and see for true mastery. Got it. All right. Well, listen, uh, Roxanne Lozar, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, thanks for, for the explanation. Please thank uh, uh, Superintendent Jolly for arranging this as well. I wish you and all the students of Warrensville Heights the very best of luck. Thank you. Thank you. All right. 9.56 now. Uh, if you'd like to respond to that, you're going to have to wait a little bit because coming up after the top of the hour, Peter Kersenow will be joining us as he does each and every Tuesday. He's going to play through the pain. He's going to play hurt today, literally. Uh, but uh, we'll talk to him next on AM 1420, The Answer.